Good evening, Forest Heights Baptist Church. I'd like to welcome everyone to our evening worship service. One quick announcement. If you came in and did not pick up the sheet on the sound booth, when we stand to sing this first song, let me encourage you to go back and get a copy of that because we will be singing it later in the service. With that, let's stand and sing Victory in Jesus.
Thank you. You can be seated. Father, thank you that we can come together and uh, worship a God who is the God and one and only God. We thank you that we can come together and know that you are listening to us, that you uh, hear us, that you want the best for us, and that we want the best for our lives by coming and worshiping you and allowing you to speak to our hearts and our souls. So, God, uh, we just want to uh, honor you and glorify you by doing that during this service, allowing the Spirit of God, your Spirit, to speak to us and to deal with us and, and to lead us and guide us, encourage us, convict us, and, and direct us, Lord. And so um, I pray that with our willingness to do that, that we will be submissive and that we will um, uh, humble ourselves before you and, and allow you to do the work that you so desire. And I know that you'll be glorified as we're obedient to you and in obeying your commands and what you would have us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.
song tonight is the song Susan sang this morning, His Mercy is More. Hopefully everybody got one of the sheets back at the sound booth. Now, one point of explanation. Anybody read music? Okay, y'all are going to be in Two good in shape. Back. The reason is that we're going to sing it like Susan sang it this morning, which is verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, chorus. The way it's written, it's verse one, two, three, chorus, chorus. Just, we ain't doing that. Just follow the words on the screen. <clears throat> Don't get crazy. And in case you get confused, on the back is the last line. <clears throat> it is. Oh, 
Okay, I'd like for you to open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 2. And really Daniel chapter 2, chapter 7 we take together, but we're going to wait on Daniel chapter 7 until we get there. But Daniel chapter 2, there's so much involved here. Um, as you turn to Daniel chapter 2 and, and uh, find your place, uh, we're going to be looking at... Uh, uh, really at verses uh, 19 and following, but we're going to go back and get the gist of the story before we do. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just want to thank you for this time with these dear people. And I do pray that you might, uh, with your grace and its sufficiency, open our eyes to your truth so that we might know uh, what it says, understand it. And Lord, may your spirit, may you speak to us and deal with us and and uh, direct us in the manner that needs to be uh, directed in. And, and Lord, we will certainly thank you and praise you because of it. But God, we just ask that you take control and, and your sufficiency uh, through your grace will take effect. And Lord, that we will certainly experience it. For we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. In Daniel, we know that... Um, the um, Israelites have been taken into captivity by the Babylonians, and the first group to go were the young, the wise-looking, the smart, the ones that they could, they thought that they could take, and and uh, these without blemish and and uh, mold and make by the Chaldean culture into the people that they needed them to be, uh, to serve them. Uh, in their thinking, their education, their way of life. And so Daniel uh, is a book about some of the ones that stood out. And we'll notice it. We'll understand this. I think uh, preachers have used this outline before, but uh, I'll just sum it up in the introduction here. Uh, you know, Daniel is a person, and these uh, Israelites with him that are mentioned are the ones who wouldn't bow, who wouldn't burn, uh, and, and we will see that uh, in this message. And so um, as we come to this, we see that the, dr uh, the, uh, the king has a dream. Now they place Daniel with the uh, uh, Chaldeans, the, uh, the ones who uh, uh, were the interpreters, and, and these that came from different parts, they, they came together to speak Aramaic because that was a common language that they could all understand here from the different areas and so uh, they come together and the king wants the answer to his dream because it's bothering him he said I had a dream in verse 3 of chapter 2 and my spirit is anxious to understand the dream it was a reoccurring dream and he did not know what it meant so the Chaldean spoke to the king in Aramaic O king live forever uh, tell the dream to your servants. They wanted the dream told to them. But uh, the king was smart. He was wise to this. He probably had been, uh, uh, you know, seen uh, kings taken uh, by their, uh, their magicians and sorcerers by giving uh, the dream to them and then them getting together as a group and, and coming up with some kind of meaning. And he said, I, you know, I don't want this. Basically, he says, I want you to tell me what the dream is. I don't want you getting together. I know you can come up with some kind of concoction, some kind of story, something to tell me. But I don't want that. I want you to be real. And by being real, I want you to tell me 
what the dream is and then the interpretation. And they said, well, no, 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 you, you don't understand. Nobody can do this except the gods. You tell us the dream. This is, this is how it works. You tell us a dream and we interpret it for you. And he said, no. He said, I'll tell you. This is a command. I'm going to tell you the second time. The command is, just like I told you before, if you don't tell me the dream plus interpret it, your head's come off. I mean, you, you know, you're just going uh, to be uh, demolished. Your homes are going to be burned. Everybody's going to be wiped out. I'm tired of this mess. And so, he, you know, they said, well, wait a minute. You know, that's not fair. And he said, tell me about being unfair. You tell me. This is your job, so you tell me what it means. So the decree, it says in verse 13, went forth and to, that the wise men should be uh, slain, and they looked for Daniel and his friends to kill them. Daniel and them were in that group. They had been brought in to, uh, to assist them and help the magicians and, and the sorcerers and others uh, in that area, the conjurers. And, and so um, Daniel heard about it, and he uh, says in verse 14, he replied with discretion and discernment to uh, Ariok, the captain of king's bodyguard who had gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon, he answered and said to Ariok, the king's commander, for what reason is the decree from the king so urgent? And so he told him. And uh, he informed Daniel about the matter. And so Daniel went in and requested of the king that he would give him time in order that he might declare the interpretation of the king. Now, was he just buying for time so that he could run for his life? No. He was going to the one that he knew, the only one who could interpret it, who could tell him the dream. Then Daniel went to his house and informed his friends, Hananiah and Mishael and Azariah, about the matter in order that they might request compassion from the God of heaven. This is mentioned five times there in, in, in Daniel. And concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his friends might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise of Babylon, or wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven. Daniel answered and said, Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever. For wisdom and power belong to him. And it is he who changes the times and the epochs. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to wise men of understanding. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what, it, what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. To thee, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise for thou has given me wisdom and power even now thou has made known to me what we requested of thee for thou has made known to us the king's matter in other words the king's dream the lord god revealed it to uh, i mean to daniel and his friends so daniel goes to the king and he tells our our uh Ariok, first tells the king and then Daniel comes in before the king he says we have somebody that can do it his name is Daniel and so he comes in 
And uh, Daniel uh, answered before the king in verse 27 and said, As for the mystery about which the king has inquired, neither wise men, this is very important, conjurers, magicians, nor uh, diviners are able to declare it to the king. None of them are able to do it. He, he just admitted. He said, now I want you to know that it didn't come from them. It's not something made up or, or they didn't get together. They had nothing to do with this. Verse 28, however, there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will take place in the latter days. This was your dream and the visions in your mind while on your bed. As for you, O king, while on your bed, your thoughts turn to what would take place in the future. This is very important. This is so important that this is telling us, laying out for us what would happen. God has a way about doing that for us. He lets us know what is to happen uh, in the future. Now, this doesn't mean that we should go around asking for dreams like this, but from his word we can find out the overall plan of God. He has revealed that to us. And so in turn he says, And he who reveals mysteries had made known to you what will take place. But as for me, this mystery has not been revealed to me for any wisdom residing in me. For any wisdom residing in me more than in any other living man, but for the purpose of making the interpretation known to the king, and that you may understand the thoughts of your mind. Now these dreams, these prophecies in Daniel are the uh, beginning of and finishing up of, of what we read in Revelation. I believe with all my heart. I mean, they go together. And so I want to say something about prophecy that's very important here. Prophecy is not always easy to understand, is it? I mean, some things are laid out more for, uh, clearer for us than others. And nor are we here to make predictions. I'm not going to tell you what's happening in the news and say I'm going to tell you that this is this is happening in the news is going to be uh, leading to a certain time period, and this certain time period will be 2020, and we will be raptured up if we're still here, and and uh, all of this kind of stuff. I'm not going to do that. I have no power. I'm just like uh, Daniel. Unless something was revealed to me like that, I couldn't do it. And it's not because we have the Word of God, but we are to piece it together, aren't we? And so there are too many false predictions that have been made throughout history by, and may I say, by well-meaning people. But these well-meaning people have been misguided souls, haven't they? And the unfortunate thing is, when we start setting dates, we become date setters, and these date setters can become embarrassing, can't they? And they can become embarrassing and and uh, also uh, a bad rep for uh, the Bible and the Word of God. Now, are the world events shaping up for the return of Christ? Certainly. We know that they are. 
you know, the Lord's coming back. You believe that? Amen. <laughs> and from my understanding of Scripture, and get this, from my understanding of Scripture, it seems like the shadows are, are being cast darker and darker, further and further out. So, or should I say, closer together, and, and it's bringing everything uh, closer in. And so, but it still, if it still needs to be understood that we need to be careful. None of this may happen in our lifetime. We don't know. But it could. There are different views as to when Christ will return. Now, does that mean that somebody has a different view than I do on the end times, lost and going to hell? Not unless they're without Christ. Now, if they're without Christ and trying to come up with some kind of view, then, yeah, that's their destination. But if they're saved and they have different views, it, it, you know, it doesn't mean that, that you know, they're, they're wrong and they're going to hell necessarily. It's, it's possible to be right about facts, but very wrong about timeline. And prophecy is always controversial, and it has been. Uh, you know, there are different views as to when Christ will return before, during, or after the tribulation. Some believe that there will not be a literal millennial kingdom even on earth, while others believe that there will be. Some believe that we are already in the kingdom age. And so a lot of them are different. I mean, there are different scholars that, that are godly people that believe different ways. We must understand that while there are yet different views, we need to, and, and it's difficult to understand prophecy and the end times, it does not mean that we are to not try to find out what it says. The Bible tells us what will happen, but it doesn't provide all of these uh, things in a sequence, does it? I wish that it did. I wish that there was a book that said, okay, this is a chronological order of what's going to happen. But it doesn't. Not only does the Bible not provide all the sequences concerning prophecy, but what it does give us, which makes it even more difficult at times, it's found in various parts of the Old Testament and New Testament. And it would be nice, it really would, if it was presented in a coherent whole in one place for us to understand and especially guys like me that means that we're left though to gather all this information and this is good isn't it because you must become familiar with the Old Testament and the New Testament you must become familiar with what was prophesied and what has taken place and what is yet to take place. So it's very, very important. It's like putting a puzzle together, but without the picture. Now, you know, it'd be nice to have the picture on the, on the outside of the Bible, but we don't have that. So, uh, it's, so we, uh, we come to this, and with this, we, we come to a, uh, the prophecy that's found here in Daniel. And uh, there is... You know, there's some things in helping to understand this, this prophecy that we'll be looking at 
and that is uh, the different views that are given concerning the end times. Now, one view is a millennial view. What does that mean? Ah, on the front means that there is no literal millennial. They believe there's no literal millennial. Tribulations are just hard times now. And they believe the Old Testament prophecies of the, uh, concerning the kingdom are being fulfilled in heaven right now or uh, through the church, for the church is the kingdom. Which means there is no future rule of Christ on earth and the church has replaced Israel, uh, you know, of the Old Testament and, and the prophecies relating to Israel. They're being fulfilled, they believe, in the church right now. And the view of the church replacing Israel often is referred to as what? Replacement theology. Now then there's the post-millennial view. And that means after the millennial, Christ will return. Things will gradually get better until he returns. And then there's the premillennial view, which you have often heard about from me. And that is a view that believes in a literal millennial reign of Christ here on earth. 1,000 years as it says in Revelation. Christ will return to earth and set up his thousand year reign. Now people have different views than I, but this is what I will be referring to. But before that happens, you'll have the rapture of the church, which I believe will happen before the uh, tribulation occurs. The church will be taken out and there will be an awful time of tribulation like we've never seen before. And this will last for so you know it looks like seven years and this is called the pre-tribulationalism before the tribulation now there are moderate moderations to this view uh, of pre-millennialists uh, and that is um, uh, with them they believe in the pre-wrath view uh, the church will go through part of the tribulation this will be midway through the tribulation before the church is raptured up. Some of you may believe in that and you may think that we're going through the tribulation right now, some of it. Uh, there are those who believe that the church will go through the entire tribulation. But right at the end when, it, when the, the Lord comes back to judge the earth, that it will be raptured up. Then there uh, we will, you know, in this we will hold to the premillennial view, the pre-tribulation approach that is attached to it. I do not believe that the church replaces Israel. Some do today. Many, many people do. Uh, this means that the prophecies originally given to Israel, the nation Israel, will yet be fulfilled. Now, do the church in, does the church inherit some of the covenant, the, the new covenant? Uh, things uh, that Israel will inherit? Yes, sure. Uh, some of the prophecies that are given to Israel, they do. They will, but it, they do not inherit all of them. We know that the prophecies concerning the land in Israel is to, uh, you know, is to be inherited. The throne of David, the kingdom of peace is yet to be fulfilled by the Lord Jesus Christ here on earth. 
And, uh, you know, we could, we could just, there's other things, but we need to try and understand that I'm coming from this view where I believe that there is a difference between the nation Israel and the church. And we'll look at this prophecy that Daniel gives that refer, that's referred to in Daniel as the prophecy relating to the times of the Gentiles. He deals with that specifically. Luke talks about that in chapter 21, verse 24. So we will look at that prophecy. Now here's a dream. This prophecy uh, deals in depth with the progress of the Gentile history. Much of the history that Daniel gives can be verified in our history books, can it? I mean, you, you go to it, you look at it, and we'll look at it in, in just a few moments. King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon has taken over Israel. That's the first part of this, this dream that we'll be looking at. King has a dream. It angered him, and he wanted to find out about it. And this is where we are in this passage. In verse 21, Daniel's description of the dream. You, O king, were looking, and behold, there was a single great statue. I mean, this was awesome. Just imagine a huge big, big statue. A statue sitting like this, but it's out of proportion as far as being so big. And there was a single great statue. That statue has um, large and of, ex uh, or was large and of extraordinary splendor. It was magnificent. It was awesome. It was standing in front of you, and its appearance, he even describes it as awesome. The head of the statue, now you, we need to look at the head and go all the way to the feet and see how off it is. The head of the statue was made of fine gold, its breast and its arms of silver, its belly and its, its thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. You continued looking until a stone was cut out without hands and it struck the statue. And on its feet of iron and clay and crushed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were crushed all at the same time and became like shaft. In other words, just tiny little pieces blown by the wind. In other words, not much remembered about them as far as being great. But the stone that struck the statue became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is a summary of the dream which Daniel described. Daniel told the, the, uh, the, the king that the statue's appearance, first of all, was awesome. The statue had a head made of gold. Its chest and arms were made of silver. It, the statue's belly and thighs were made of bronze and the legs of iron, its feet made of mixture of iron and clay. You see how unstable it is? How heavy it is on top and unstable it is at its feet. The metals deteriorate in value from head to feet. As magnificent, as awesome as it appears, the great colossal with the head of gold and feet of clay become unstable and is destined to fall. So next Daniel told 
the king. A stone was cut out without hands, a miraculous stone. And it struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and crushed them. Finally, Daniel tells them, all the statue was crushed and the metals blown away completely like shaft in the wind. So he moves from there, giving overall picture to describing the dream that the king had. Daniel's interpretation, his meaning of the dream. This was a dream. Now we will tell its interpretation before the king. You, O king, in verse 37, are the king of kings to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power, the strength, and the glory. You notice he talked about the God of heaven gave him this dream. This is the same God that has given him the power. Now he may have thought that it was his power that gave him the victory, but now he's getting a history lesson from Daniel. It is the God of heaven that really gave, allowed him to have this power. And it was for a reason we know of, and that was for disciplining Israel. So in this, Nebuchadnezzar, it says uh, to the uh, king, he says, And wherever the sons of men dwell, or the beasts of the field, or the birds of the sky, he has given them into your hands and has caused you to rule over you. Uh, you to rule over them all you are the head of gold wow now don't get too big a head there uh, Nebuchadnezzar because you see how it's made it's going to crumble you remember like shaft it's going to be destroyed so Nebuchadnezzar was represented by the head of the statue the reason was, as far as earthly powers were concerned, he was what? The gold head at that time. The king of kings of that time in history. Daniel went on to let Nebuchadnezzar know, though, that his power would not last forever because it was given to him by his God, the God of heaven. The demise of the Babylonian Empire was contained in the rest of the statue. We see Medo-Persian Medo and Greece. After you there will arise another kingdom inferior to you. Then another third kingdom of bronze which will rule over all the earth. Daniel gives a description of four major Gentile empires in this statue. These empires are of the ancient world. And it's so accurate. I mean, this is so amazing. It's so accurate that some people did not want to uh, accept the fact that God gave him this dream. So what they have done is they said, well, this was written after the events. This was written by someone else and stuck in there. Daniel wrote his prophecy uh, in the 6th central century B.C., hundreds of years before the rise of the Greek and the Roman empires. How could he do this? He said, because my God, the God of heaven, has given it to me. It wasn't me. I mean, he let it know up, up front. He said, it wasn't me. Man, I'm just like anybody else. He 
gave it to me. We requested, we asked him, and thank God that he gave it to us so that you could understand it, so you wouldn't take our heads off, too. Uh, but uh, no, but so you could understand it. So the description of the chest and the arms of silver, they spoke of the Medo-Persian Empire, the breast and its arms of silver. This was the uh, empire that overthrew the Babylonian Empire that uh, decades later, Daniel was an old man, matter of fact, serving Belshazzar at this time. And the Medes and the Persians defeated Belshazzar on the night of his drunken feast in Daniel chapter 5. So the bronze kingdom, its belly and its thighs of bronze were the, was the kingdom of who? of Greece under Alexander the Great. He destroyed the Medo-Persian Empire and in fact did rule over all the earth. Then another third kingdom of bronze will rule over all the earth in Daniel chapter 2 verse 39. Isn't it amazing what God can do if we just accept it and allow him to do what he desires to do? He told Daniel what it would be. This is why People, we, we need to have faith in God's Word. I mean, we need to believe it's God's infallible Word. And He's given it to these men to write so that we might have His plan and His purpose for the world and for our lives. So, then we see next comes the fourth kingdom in verse 40. Then there will be a fourth kingdom as strong as iron inasmuch as iron crushes and shatters all things. So like iron that breaks in pieces, it will crush and break all these in pieces. And of course, that was Rome. And this kingdom was a Roman empire. This empire crushed Greece and became the most dominant empire in the ancient world. It was awesome. This empire ruled the known world when Jesus came on the scene, didn't it? So no empire, though, is so strong that it cannot be destroyed. And Daniel is letting this king know and letting us know. Rome found this out. Rome's military was unmatched during that time. And it wasn't its military that was its weakness, was it? In verse 41, it says, in that you saw the feet and the toes partly of potter's clay and partly of iron. It will be a what kingdom? A divided kingdom. And they were, weren't they? But it will have in it the toughness of iron in as much as you saw the iron mixed with common clay. As the toes of the feet were partly of iron and partly of pottery, so some of the kingdom will be strong and part of it will be brittle. And in that you saw the iron mixed with common clay, they will combine with one another in the seed of men, but they will not adhere to one another, even as iron does not combine with pottery. The thing that is distinguished uh, by the Roman Empire or uh, Roman Empire from others was what? This mixture of iron and clay. There were two substances that could not go together. Iron and clay. These were two substances 
that just did not work together. So that is what caused the kingdom to come apart. Rome was brought down by decay from what? Within. Because of its immorality, wanton luxury, loose living, along with its governmental structures, Rome became weak and it crumbled from within. Rome became desiccant, licentious, so much so that it could not survive as a world power. Now comes another kingdom, though, that's described. In the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom which will never be destroyed. Wow. And that kingdom will not be left for another people. It will crush and put an end to all these kingdoms, but it will itself endure forever. Verse 45, Inasmuch as you saw that a stone was cut out of a mountain without hands, and that it crushed the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold, the great God has made known to the king what will take place in the future. So the dream is true and its interpretation is trustworthy because God gave it to me, not man that came up with a scheme and a plan and, a, and uh, some kind of a story to tell you. It was God. Believe it. This, is, this last kingdom is the divine kingdom. It's God's kingdom. The four great empires are now followed by this divine kingdom. The divine kingdom, the eternal kingdom of God. This will be the final kingdom. This kingdom is yet future. This is why we, I, I wanted to let you know what perspective I come from and where, uh, most of you already know it, and where, how I'm going to be traveling through this because I believe it's talking about literal times that's coming about. His millennial kingdom that Revelation talks about, will be set up in the end times yet to come. Jesus is a stone cut out without hands. He is the divine stone. This lets us know that he is from God. And this is not the only place Jesus is referred to as a stone, is he? Throughout the Bible, but in 1 Peter 2, chapter uh, 2, verses 4 through 8, and coming to him as to a living stone which has been rejected by men but is choice and precious in the sight of God. You also as living stones, you're his, as we call it in, in the Bible, he's described in many different, our churches in many different ways and believers, you know, we're the body of Christ, we're the building of Christ and so we are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices accepted, uh, acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in Scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him will not be disappointed. Who is this cornerstone? Jesus Christ. This precious value, then, is for you who believe, but for those who disbelieve, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the very cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. 
for they stumble because they are disobedient to the word and to this doom they were also appointed so in Daniel's dream this stone that Peter talks about becomes a mountain this mountain in the Bible symbolizes what a kingdom and the Bible teaches that when Christ comes again all earthly powers will be crushed and what his kingdom will be set up on earth to rule and reign people have asked about you know America during the end times where is it mentioned in the Bible if at all well I don't know <laughs> no modern nation is mentioned in this dream so what does happen to America well we're really not sure there are basically two theories and I said theories one is America may not figure into Bible prophecy because a nation may have lost its power and influence it may have even passed off the scene as like a third world power and that could happen we could see that I mean uh, we're, we're seeing a lot of things in our day and time we could see that happen very quickly matter of fact I've seen things happen within the last three to five years in that repeated I mean that that fastness that that quickness that like I've never seen before I, I, I just couldn't imagine what has happened here in America within the last three to five years America second of all America could be involved in the end times as in the revived Roman Empire of the last days it could be a part of that America is closely tied to Europe economically and socially and to NATO and uh, militarily as an alliance and and they could be tied to that uh, you know that Roman Empire in the sense of that in the last days Rome will be the center of the end times commercial and religious empires therefore Europe will play a key role in Bible prophecy and it could be one of those nations I don't know America could be uh, you know one that's just not named but we need to understand the primary reason that Daniel only dealt with four kingdoms in this prophecy of course God revealed it to him he was only dealing with those powers that were directly involved in controlling the land of Israel each of the kingdoms mentioned in Daniel ruled over Israel the times of the Gentiles are now and have been since the Babylonian captivity. These times will continue throughout the tribulation as we'll talk about the vision in chapter 7 and you know that little horn and all that. Uh, the Antichrist as we uh, will mention will come to the forefront and there will be uh, you know that time where they will definitely uh, take over and right before uh, the Lord comes back at the end so there are some things that that we definitely need to remember about this and about what Daniel is giving us and letting us know who gave him this 
drink. God. Who allowed him to defeat Israel? God. So God is sovereign. Who is coming back to rule and reign and take over and defeat everyone? God. Jesus Christ. So we need to remember However the events fall, the sequence of them, that God, even though nations and powers rise, they will also fall. And God will never cease to exist. With, it doesn't matter what kind of government and what kind of government you're under. He will never cease to exist and be out of control. Second of all, with that, we're all called to trust him and him alone. First, Daniel understood that what the king of Babylon was requesting could only come from God. And only if he decided to reveal it. So they requested it to the Lord. And he provided them with the interpretation, with the dream and the interpretation. Second of all, Daniel trusted in God for this provision. We may, you know, with, with all of this, we, we've got to understand that a lot of things we don't understand, but we've got to keep on trusting the Lord, and, and one of the key ways that we as Christians operate is studying his word and going to him in prayer. And that's exactly what these men were doing. They were relying upon God's word and going to him in prayer. They were humbly coming before him. As Daniel said, he didn't take any of the credit. He humbly came before the Lord. And he let others know that it wasn't him, it was God. So God is sovereign. We need to trust in God. And third, we may not understand all that is revealed concerning the end times but that doesn't exempt us from believing it and sharing in it and living like it could occur any time. We need to be ready for the Lord. We need to understand that. That should motivate us wanting to be what God wants us to be when he appears. You don't want to disappoint him, do you? You don't want to be ready for him. The scripture tells us as believers we have the Holy Spirit anointing to help us understand what God has revealed. And just because we have a hard time understanding the events and putting them all together, that doesn't mean that we should not study it and share it. And then fourth, we're, you know, we're told that these Hebrew youth remain faithful to God. As I've already mentioned, we need to remain faithful to God. They were encouraged by the end time results. They should encourage us. Man, a lot of people, and I've been this way before too. I, I'm not being exempt, but I guess the older you get, the, the less you, I guess you, you're tied to this world because your body's gradually deteriorating and, and it, you know, you, you, don't, you don't look at it as a young person anymore. But, um, and it's a little bit easier maybe for us to look for a greater day, a greater time. But all of us should be, shouldn't we? And as we had time with the Lord, we, sh we shouldn't, uh, you know, 
want to take our life so that we'll be with the Lord, but we, we shouldn't want to be hesitant from that time when we can be with the Lord. We, we should be looking forward to it. And uh, they were encouraged by the end time results. It didn't scare them and push them away and have regrets. It encouraged them. And then Daniel honored and praised God for who he was and what he had done. And we need to continue to do that. So we're rapidly approaching the end time. The governments of the world have been given the opportunity to, uh, to use the iron, uh, iron of authority for good. That's why governments, we talked about the authority this morning, didn't we? That's, that's why laws are set up primarily. God's allowed us to set up these laws for the good, not for the bad. But they're being abused and abused big time. Tragically, the, the clay of pride and, and deceit and unfaithfulness destroy our nations and their potential that God has for them. It's cracking the foundation more and more each day. And then last, you see, all investments in earthly kingdoms are just temporary, aren't they? Our investments should be in God's kingdom. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, I just want to thank you that we know that you're coming back. When you don't give us that date, that time, but you do give a scripture to, uh, to have a search out and, and try to lay out and, and uh, as by way of the Holy Spirit as, as confidently as possible know that these things that you reveal to us have not occurred and they will definitely be prophecies of the future or are prophecies of the future and they will occur just like those that have occurred. And we just pray that it will encourage us, that it will strengthen us, and that it will challenge us to live the godly life that we need to live. And also challenge us to, to be the godly disciple and witness that we need to be in, in sharing with our family, beginning there and, and leading, help, you know, being led by you and used by you to, to lead them to you and, and to disciple them. And, and then others especially these within the church and, and those without trying to uh, you know, tell them about you and, and allow the Spirit of God to use us to, uh, to uh, be examples and, and the Word convict them and, and be led to you and then disciple them by your leadership and under your leadership. So God, thank you for this. Help us to be uh, challenged by you to, to live that way and to be all that we need to be as a church. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand. God deals with your heart. If it's to come forward, you come.
announcements. We've got Lottie Moon coming up pretty soon, so be uh, prepared for that. We want to give towards that and the goal that will be set. Anything else? Okay, if there's nothing else, let's just rejoice and uh, sing a song as we leave and have that song in our heart and just praise God as we go out. Praise the name of Jesus. Praise the name of Jesus. He's my rock. He's my fortress. He's my deliverer. In him will I trust. Praise the name of Jesus.